Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. And joining me here, as always, he is the excellence of execution. Did I nail it this time? At Jake Takes FF, Jake Rip. What up, Jake? That's what I'm talking about. It only took me about a month to get it right. But yeah, that sounded really good, man. I love it. There we go. Well, we are here recording the Smackdown actually on Sunday night, so a day early. So if you're trying to if you are uh, looking on Monday night for the live stream, unfortunately, we had to move this up just a bit, but bringing you the podcast nonetheless here, dropping it on Tuesday, March the 16th. Obviously, we are aware that free agency is going to dominate the news this week, as we've already had a few re-signings, uh, obviously the franchise tags last week and a bunch of signings across the NFL, I'm sure, this week. But Jake and I are going to be back next week with all of our free agency takes, so be sure to stay subscribed and tuned in for that. But uh, Jake, how, how was your week, man? How, how is uh, fantasy football treating you in this kind of calm before the storm? It's good. Things are a little bit slow out there. But you got to imagine once pieces start moving back and forth and free agency and players start getting dealt, that's going to start waking up people in their dynasty league. So uh, hopefully that will start awakening some group chats and get some dynasty leagues uh, out, out of their hibernation, their offseason hibernation, and we can get some deals going. Yeah, no doubt. I tried to make a few moves like uh, right before, you know, the tag period. It was a little bit tough, but I'm sure people will really start tuning in even more. But uh, obviously, you guys listen to this. Hopefully you guys were able to make some moves, make some uh, make make uh, the preemptive strike before everybody starts tuning into everything. So, yes, we we all hope you're able to trade A.J. Dillon while you still could. (laughs) That was a fun week that that was uh, that rivaled Frank Gore's time at the on the Philadelphia Eagles that was man that was crazy it's been a crazy uh week for that Green Bay backfield but on today's show mentioned where we got free agency coming down the pipe next week but on today's show Jake and I are going to cover our 2021 blacklist as of right now the players that we are just out on um from a redraft perspective so whether you're look you're doing your redraft prep or whether you're a dynasty owner going for it this year these are the players that we're probably just looking to avoid so even if you own them in dynasty you might want to cash out now while they're getting good so before we dive into that just want to remind you guys if you're listening to the show on the fantasy football smackdown feed on your favorite podcast player is that that feed is eventually going to go away here in just a couple weeks so if you're not already subscribed go check out the dynasty warzone feed just search dynasty warzone you'll find it not only will you get the Fantasy Football Smackdown every single Tuesday and the Dynasty Warzone every Wednesday, but a, a number of other shows with our team here at the DWZ Football Network. So hit subscribe and continue to hang out with us all off season. And if you're not watching us or the rest of the DWZ Football Network shows on YouTube, you're missing out right now on this awesome overlay our boy Matty Big Chest put together. We got the FF Smackdown uh, across the top here with our, our Twitter handles in here. It's looking good. So uh, check check out the Dynasty Warzone YouTube page. Hit that subscribe button. Turn your notifications on and get in on that contest. They are rolling over at the Dynasty Warzone and check their show out on Wednesday every you, single week. If you thought our vocals were great, wait until you get the visual on, on YouTube where you get to really see uh, the action going on in front of your eyes. Yeah, no doubt. You can see uh, Jake's plain white wall with one photo behind it. You can see my transformation of all my NASCAR crap that now boxed up it's in this bin over here. I'm just sitting in an empty room now, hope and moving soon, hopefully here. So, 
uh, yeah, I mean, I always tell people I have a face for radio, but Memphis said I got to do the YouTubes. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jake, why do, this was, uh, this was kind of your brainchild. I really liked the idea. Um, and you know, uh, <laughs> fantasy Twitter should love it because everybody just loves to hate on guys, but trying yeah. to take this, you know, be reasonable about this, but why don't you just kind of set the table for everybody and then just kind of roll right into your list here. Cause we got about uh, a couple handfuls of players here that we're going to be dropping some knowledge on today. Yeah, the players that I'm going to bring up on on this list that I'm bringing out to you, like when I say these players are blacklisted, I mean I don't care where these players find themselves being drafted come July, come August. I am guarantee, guaranteeing the Dynasty Warzone listeners, the SmackDown listeners, that you will not find any of these players on any of my seasonal rosters. It's not going to happen. Whether it means those players have hurt me uh, in, in, previ- in previous seasons. Ooh, that was a bad voice. I was going to say, a little voice crack there. Edit that one out, would you? Uh, or, or perhaps, you know, for through research, for one reason or another, uh, you know, nothing's going to change our mind, my mind, on Player X. So, uh, so yeah, you want to uh, just, just get kicked off here then? Yeah, let's do it, man. Kick it All off. Right. So, listen, first player that's getting blacklisted. We do this thing every year where we talk about the most underrated wide receiver in fantasy football. Someone always shoots the tweet out, come around like July, August. Uh, and someone says, man, Jarvis Landry, he's the most underrated wide receiver in the league. Why are we not talking about Jarvis Landry? And that's been the case for most of his career. He's averaged 90 catches and 1,000 yards over his seven years in the league. But I am not doing the underrated Jarvis Landry dance in 2021. Before Odell Beckham Jr. went down, Jarvis Landry was pretty much as useless as you'd expect the wide receiver two to be on a run-first offense. Uh, He was wide receiver 40 from weeks one through six while OBJ was active. And Cleveland was running the ball 48% of the time during their on their offensive snaps. That was fourth in the league. They were running the ball 53% of the time when they were at home. Uh, Kyle, you and I talked a little bit when we were off the air here about OBJ and uh, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic than I should be about OBJ at this point of the year as the primary receiving option in that offense, but I am absolutely not wasting a draft pick on a guy that I know damn well is going to disappoint me more often than not. Through the first 11 weeks of the NFL season, Landry was averaging less than four catches per game and 47 receiving yards. That is about seven fantasy points per game. That is garbage. I don't have time for that. I don't. I cannot waste a roster spot with that. <laughs> Even without OBJ in the lineup for weeks, for five weeks during that stretch, Landry was unable to command significant enough volume to make him a startable fantasy asset. He put together a solid four-game stretch on the back half of the season. He found the end zone for the first time in week 12. But still, given the fact that he was out there competing for targets with guys like Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones, which, you know, all things considered, I do think Donovan Peoples-Jones is a little more talented than we give him credit for, but that's a that's a story for another day. But you'd like to see him putting up better numbers than he did, or th- better than you were getting during that part of the, the 2020 season. I-, I think if you draft Jarvis Landry in 2021, even with if, if it's with the last pick of your draft, you're just you're stuck with a player that you're never comfortable inserting into your lineup. You don't know if you're, you know, maybe you get lucky and he does put up 70 yards and he catches... Seven passes and he scores a touchdown, but it's just as likely you get two catches, 30 yards, no touchdown. I mean, I feel like his name still carries a little bit of, uh, a little bit of value in drafts as like one of the league's premier target hogs and best slot receivers over the past five years. But 
Uh, I think rather than being underrated in drafts this year, someone's going to reach for a man and it's not going to be worth the pick. Like I said, even if it's on the back end, I'm just not interested in someone that at the end of the day, the ceiling is just not there and the floor is low. That's pretty much I, all I got on my man Jarvis Landry. He is blacklisted, my friend. I, I hear you on Jarvis. He's definitely one of those players that like anytime, you know, you talk about these, you know, high target, low touchdown wide receivers to me, like you just like you just said when you're wrapping that up, like, you know, the the ceiling just isn't there. And for in Jarvis, in your opinion, the floor isn't really necessarily there where it was in years past either, was I totally get that type of player just doesn't do it for me. You know, I feel like I can I, I'd rather take my shot on a guy that has far more upside. If I miss, okay, well, then I can go find 80 to 75% of Jarvis Landry on the wire, right? That type of player. Um, you know, I, I, I think Jarvis is somebody that I was buying in Dynasty Leagues recently because I felt like his value had kind of taken a little bit of a dip. But totally get what you're saying. Those numbers with OBJ in the lineup were definitely concerning. I know he's, that he's always but, been that sneaky player you can get late in drafts that you know is gonna push for a hundred targets and PPR you love them but mm-hmm. as, you know when you're the second or third receiving option on a team that's not gonna throw that much that's there's the upside just isn't there well I think I'll just roll I'll mix up my order because I think this leads really well into my one of my, the players on my blacklist uh and that's Odell Beckham Jr his running mate or hopefully he's running because OBJ just tore his ACL last October in week seven but let's set the injury to the side here because I'm, I don't claim to be injury experts. Apparently, ACLs don't matter anymore. We've seen guys like Cooper Cup come back from this, you know, super fast, have productive seasons right out of the gate. And even though we do feel like year two is a little gives you a little bit better indication of what they're going to be able to get back to, I still think Beckham, you know, is going to be out there, you know, at the start of the season. So here's here's the numbers I'll throw that definitely you know uh, overlap with Jarvis Landry when you're talking about the Browns. Jake, you mentioned the rush percentage. This team loves to run the ball. And why wouldn't they? They've invested, you know, in Nick Chubb. He's a beast. They've invested a contract extension to Kareem Hunt. And he's a monster in what he can do and brings to the game. It's got to be the best running back duo in all football. But when you look at Baker Mayfield last season, he he had just, uh, he averaged 30.3 attempts per game. Out of 25 QBs last year with 12 or more starts, that ranked Baker Mayfield 21st out of those 25, only ahead of Sam Darnold, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, and Cam Newton. A few of those guys, you know they're not going to throw the ball because they're running, right? Now, we've seen Baker not put up a ton of attempts in the past, but this is probably also a trend with Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach in 2020, because when he was in Minnesota in 2019, his quarterback at the time, Kirk Cousins, averaged just 29.6 attempts per game. And in that same 12 or more starts, that ranked Cousins 24th out of 27 QBs that year. So Stefanski wants to run on the run game. He's been able to do it at his last two stops in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook and obviously in Cleveland with the running backs I mentioned here. My thing with Odell Beckham Jr. is just what we saw from him that first handful of years in New York was obviously a ton of great numbers, but also a ton of targets. You know, Eli Manning was throwing him the ball an average per game of 10 and a half targets. I mean, that's that's a lot of volume right there. And over 22 games with the Cleveland Browns, Odell Beckham Jr. has only seen 175 targets. That's just under eight targets a game. So he's not seeing the volume that he was when he was an elite you know, wide receiver when he was on the field. Now, I took a look just to kind of make sure this is in perspective. Fantasy Pros right now, obviously mid-March, has OBJ ranked as the wide receiver 23. So you're not having to pay that you know high-end price tag. Even I think last year he was borderline, you know, uh, 
wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two, and that's that's taken a little bit of a dip. But for me, there's guys right now that are ranked all over on fantasy pros behind them, just behind them, guys like CeeDee Lamb, dunk that. Uh, you got both Cincinnati wide receivers. I think they'd be throwing the ball all over the place. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, even for redraft, I'm taking them. And then you go even 10 spots behind where OBJ is ranked. So outside of that top 33, guys like Brandon Cooks, Chase Claypool. I like those upsides a bit. I put Jarvis Landry on my list, not knowing that he was blacklisted for you, but he's 10 <laughs> spots ranked behind OBJ. And I would prefer Landry heads up um, on those two. So, so for me, I'm blacklisting Odell Beckham Jr. in 2021. So it sounds like, at least here on the SmackDown, we're showing no love to the Cleveland Browns as we are just off those wide receivers altogether. I was going to um, say, am I getting the vibe that Baker Mayfield's <laughs> getting blacklisted right now? He, a quarterback did make my list. It wasn't Baker, it, but uh, I think it's just because Baker's price tag is so low. But man, you gotta you that you have to really watch not just one season worth of uh, data that we have on this Cleveland Browns offense, but take a look at Stefanski's track record. My big thing going into 2020 with Stefanski was. Who is Kevin Stefanski? Is he the one-year OC that ran the ball like crazy? Or is he the guy that learned from all these other offensive coordinators for 10 years in Minnesota? Became pretty clear that he's leaning on that strength, which was not only the run game, but a revamped offensive line. So I'm probably staying away from from both of these wide receivers. And if I got to take one, I'm going to lean towards Landry because he's cheaper. But I know you're blacklisted Landry. What's your thoughts on OBJ, Jake? Uh, yeah, like I said before, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more optimistic on OBJ to Landry because I, I feel like the targets are going to be there for Odell Beckham. Uh, yeah. You know, looking back at his, he played weeks one through seven last season. He had a 10 target game, a nine target game, an eight target game. If we see more of that, then I'm fine with drafting OBJ so long as, you know, so long as the price is right. Every player is going to have their ADP that makes them a little more, uh, a little more sexy than they might otherwise be. But you know, I lean OBJ to Landry. I might, you know, I took the easy way out there, making Landry my blacklist player. So I am curious because I said I'm not drafting Landry whatsoever. But what is kind of your breaking point for OBJ? Like, what round do you say, okay, no more messing around. I got to take him because he's he's Odell Beckham. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think you and I will probably dive into uh, at, at least maybe on air, maybe maybe off. Like I always, what I usually wait till post free agency to really start diving into mock drafts, trying to look at ADP, see where these guys are falling. But knowing that there's at least three, maybe more players that are ranked ten spots behind Odell Beckham Jr., like I would probably be have. I would say OBJ would have to be on the board in round maybe eight for me to to start looking at him. You know, there's. There's going to be just too many guys that I'm going to take above him right now. Um, so that's why I think he qualifies for the blacklist, uh, in my opinion. But we, we will see, man. I think, like you said, every player has their price, except Jarvis Landry, who apparently will never be owned by by Mr. Jake Ripp, who wouldn't take him with his last round pick. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I'll tell you what. Round eight, I think that's going to be realistic come draft yeah. season because I already see people getting OBJ in dynasty leagues in double-digit rounds. People mm-hmm. are already afraid because they see that age 28 tag next to his name. Uh, but you know what? I, I still think he's got some juice in him. So if he's available in right. round eight, I'll take that. But otherwise, I'm I'm cool with the blacklist. All right, we'll we'll see how this one shakes out, and I think we will have further discussion on these head-to-head round wise receivers. I'm sure throughout the summer. But Jake, who you got as uh, your number two player on your list? Okay, so I'm going to stay with the wide receiver position, and I kind of matched together three wide receivers that I think fit the same mold. And generally, I'm going to avoid this type of wide receiver, and that is the. Marquise Brown, Henry Ruggs, 
slash Jalen Rager type wide receiver. All three of the players I just named, okay, all three of these guys had an opportunity as the wide receiver one on their respective offenses. All three of these guys commanded first-round draft capital. Marquise Brown and Henry Ruggs, they both fit the mold more as that small, speedy pass catcher that you expect to get behind the defense, you know, high uh, yards per reception type players. Uh, Jalen Rager, he's a small guy, but he still has like 40 pounds on Marquise Brown. He is a, a very petite wide receiver. And, you know, despite these guys just getting their careers kicked off, they're like 21, 22 year old wide receivers. I can, I promise you, I will not have any of these guys on my team any, on any of my seasonal rosters anyways. Uh, Dynasty might be a different story, but as far as seasonal goes, Marquise Brown, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, you won't see him on any of the uh, Jake Takes rosters. Uh, So starting with Marquise Brown, we have two years of data on the guy that so far shows us he's not capable of putting up wide receiver one numbers, even on a team where he's the unquestioned number one receiver in the offense. As of now, the assumption is the Ravens, they're going to draft a, a, you know, a true alpha wide receiver in this year's draft, or they'll go out and they'll get someone in free agency. Maybe it's Kenny Galladay. Maybe they draft Rashad Bateman. Uh, either way, I think that you know maybe helps Marquise Brown as a player, but still, as far as fantasy goes, he's not going to be giving you enough to where you're comfortable playing him in your lineup uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, but But like Jarvis Landry, once Marquise Brown does become that secondary receiver on the offense, actually, he, I guess he'd be the third receiver on that offense because I'm not, I'm forgetting about Mark Andrews. Uh, his floor kind of becomes zero. Like I think that officially becomes a possibility that you have Marquise Brown on your roster and he leaves you in a game with zero receptions for zero yards. Um, I see a lot of Marquise's Bra- Marquise Brown's game in Henry Ruggs. You know, it's another scenario where I think Rugg should have produced at a higher rate due to the lack of target competition. I went into last season assuming that Brian Edwards was going to be the biggest threat to Henry Rugg's target share in 2020. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Nelson Aguilar ends up stealing the spotlight, man. Twice as many targets, twice as many receptions, and six more touchdowns than Henry Ruggs. I understand that he's a receiver, but I mean, when we're talking about First round, we're talking about first wide receiver off the board type pedigree. This guy, I expect him to be able to produce, especially when you guys, you got guys like CD Lamb doing their thing out there. Justin Jefferson, we talk about, you know, the adversity you have to face catching passes on a run first team. Justin Jefferson, laugh at that real quick. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know, pertaining to Henry Ruggs, I stand exactly where I stood in 2020. I still believe that Brian Edwards is the better receiver. You know, if I had to put money on one of these guys having the more relevant sophomore season, I'm probably going to hedge my bets on Brian Edwards over Henry Ruggs. And that's just betting on the talent alone. Um, as for as for Jalen Rager, he's the one that I'm probably most optimistic about with the three. He, Like I said before, he's marginally bigger. He is more versatile than the other two receivers. But uh, still, just just like Henry Ruggs and Hollywood Brown, Jalen Rager failed to dominate as a receiver, despite the lack of target competition in Philadelphia, there was nobody. Greg Ward, uh, who's the other guy? Travis Fulgham. Fulgham. Hell yeah, put some respect on that name. Come on, Jalen Rager. I got to see something out of you, my man. Just one game over four catches, two games over 50 yards, one touchdown in 11 games played. You know, at the end of the day, volume is is the most important factor in fantasy football. And once all the volume players have been drafted, if we're talking redraft, I want to start selecting players that 
have real upside. You know, those lottery ticket type players that'll win you a league. I'm not wasting any of my picks or my roster space on the small burner type receiver. Like the, I just named here with these three guys that can pop off for, you know, four receptions and 120 yards and a touchdown on any given day in a best case scenario. But, you know, more likely than not, they're going to disappoint you if they don't connect with that 50 yard bomb on Sunday. You're stuck with minimal receptions, minimal yards, and you, you're praying for a touchdown at that point. So, you know, yeah. Marquise Brown, Jalen Rager, and uh, Henry Ruggs, you're blacklisted for 2021. Sorry, my friends. Dude, I hear you on on that. I think traditionally, you know, the guy that everybody thinks of when it comes to that type of player is Deshaun Jackson, right? And so, like, I know, you know, over the years, I have found a lot of success by just knowing that I'm not drafting that guy. And I think the good thing for, for, uh, for like, fantasy football owners this year, this rookie class coming in, I don't necessarily know that there's – that type of player, right? Um, as far as at the top of this class, when you look at not just the guys you mentioned, but think back even even uh, before, like, or after Deshaun Jackson, John Ross, first round pick, just complete useless, right? Tavon Austin, right before him. These guys that go in the top half of the first round in the NFL draft and are just completely useless um, in fantasy football. And that was back in the day when standard scoring, or as I like to call it, God scoring, was the standard, right? Non-PPR. So, for for any half PPR, full PPR leagues, these guys just their floor is just non-existent. So yeah, you, I would you know, there's there's definitely a listener out there right now who's just begging me to say it. So I'm gonna go ahead. It does give me pause. It, it makes me at least a little bit concerned about Devontae Smith entering this year's draft. You know, we're a, a bit away still from talking about prospects and uh, you know, we want to see these landing spots, but Seeing the track record of these smaller type receivers in the NFL and GMs love these guys for some reason. All you know, the three players that I named, they're all first round picks. And mm-hmm. Devontae Smith's going to be a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that he's kind of in a league of his own. He's the first wide receiver Heisman winner since I don't know when. But it, there's there's reason for concern. I know, you know people are going to shit on me for saying <laughs> that, but that's that's maybe why I lean Jamar Chase over Devontae Smith. Again, not to go too far down that rabbit hole, but if we're talking uh, you know, size concerns with wide receivers, it's tough to not bring up Devontae Smith. Yeah, I think if there is one of those guys, it's going to be Smith, you know, as far as like that type of profile. Um, you know, I'm we're we got uh, a little bit of time here. Obviously, you guys should be checking out uh, the rookie rundown every Sunday night. If you're watching us live on YouTube, it's going to be here in just a couple hours. Uh, but obviously in the Dynasty Warzone feed, Memphis and the guys are talking about these rookies, and we're going to be diving into this as well. Smith is that type of, as far as stature, definitely smaller. My hope is, and from what I've heard and watched and seen of him, you know, from an outsider perspective, like a little bit more quicks, better, you know, can can kind of put, can do more as a receiver than just be a burner like we've seen Hollywood Brown just purely be a, you know, run and hopefully I can connect with you. Not to mention with those guys as well, two of them are playing on offenses that I don't really expect too many passing attempts. Overall, Memphis drops this all that he's been dropping this. I've heard on a few times he said on our show last week that Lamar Jackson was averaging like 27 pass attempts per game, not completions. So that doesn't really leave a lot on the bone there for any wide receiver or any pass catcher, to be honest. So um, you know, the, these guys are really tough. And I, I think what you said, Jake, is um, I'll, I guess I'll try to restate it maybe and to help clarify when you're saying you're not going to take these guys after a lot of a lot of the volume receivers, you're going to take guys that have more upside. Like 
you're talking about players not upside on a week-to-week basis because these guys can go off at any moment, but more of the player that might have a not necessarily the clear path, but a path where you know, like, hey, if this guy, if this falls into place, he he's now a you know a top five round player, top six round player versus like, okay, I can have Hollywood Brown on my roster, and now I gotta hope to God I plug him in at the right week. So is that kind of what you're saying with that? Sure, a player that can fall into the right situation, or even just a rookie who's being drafted this year. There's a ton of rookies coming into the in the 2021 class. It's freaking loaded. Yeah. You know, why not take a shot on one of these guys, especially if they have a nice landing spot, as opposed to knowing what you're going to get with Marquise Brown, praying yeah. that Jalen Hurts works out for Jalen Rager and uh, and and praying for Henry Ruggs to work out. You know, I, I would just rather take my shots on Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. insert 2021 prospect here. Then, yeah. uh, then you know, I know what I'm going to get out of these three guys right now. Yeah, the devil you don't know sometimes in those cases is better. So I'll, I'll take that. I hear you. If I had to pick one, uh, and then I'll drop my next guy. If I had to pick one, I would probably take Rugs just because I think he's in an offense that will throw the ball a little bit more, and I'd rather have Derek Carr than you know Lamar or Hertz from a you know throwing to the ball. So if he's able to step into that Aguilar role, Aguilar was decent last year. To be honest, I mean it was it says something that he's able to just step in and take over, <laughs> but uh, we will see, man. So I, I, but I, I with you traditionally when I steer clear of those guys, you know, I don't regret it. So I, I definitely understand that the hate. Tell me uh, this, who but, else made your blacklist? <laughs> I'm going to go with a QB here. I think this might be the only QB that we're going to have on the show. And obviously quarterback, you know, when you're talking about QBs, it's like in one QB leagues, it's like, you better just freaking wait. It doesn't matter if, you know, if Kyler Murray's sitting there around six, it doesn't matter. Just wait, pick your guy late and, you know, hope that either you can hit on the next Kyler Murray or just be fine with, you know, Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford and just, and, but get the value elsewhere at other positions. Um, and obviously in Superflex that changes, it flips the thing on its head as well. But, at, you know, I think overall, no matter what the situation is, is that a guy that I'm blacklisting right now and that I will that I will probably not own that I, not probably I will not own on any teams. That's what we're doing here yeah. uh, is Ryan Tannehill. And he has been a, my he's been my guy the last few years. Right. He was a super cheap dynasty buy when he came in for that to be competition in Tennessee, took that job over and took the fantasy world by storm. Dude, he was an absolute monster in a run first offense. But despite him having another successful 2020 campaign, I don't think that's going to be replicated to the same extent in 2021. Not only does he lose Arthur Smith, who moved to Hotlanta to coach your Atlanta Falcons, is that his new offensive coordinator, Todd Downing, he was the offensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders uh, when they were the Oakland Raiders in 2017. And all he did was take Derek Carr from back-to-back 3,900-yard passing seasons and 60 total touchdowns over those two years to bring him all the way down to sub-3,500 and only 22 passing touchdowns. And he immediately got fired just like everybody else when John Gruden came back in there and wiped the slate clean. That doesn't really that doesn't really encourage me when I'm taking a look at Ryan Tannehill in this offense, especially when their head coach is a defensive-minded head coach, right? You lose your OC, but your if your head coach is an offensive mind, I, I usually think that at worst, the head coach can step in and pick up some of that slack. But in this case, I am concerned about this offense as a whole. There's going to be things over this next week as well that are going to impact Ryan Tannehill because he has a few wide receivers that are going to hit that open market. So, and Johnu Smith. So as of right now, he literally has AJ Brown and that's the list. Humphreys is gone. Corey Davis is a free agent. Khalif Raymond, I believe is also a free agent. Like 
There's oh, there's nobody no. else there. They're gonna lose Khalif Raymond. I know, man. I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna live with myself knowing that Khalif Raymond's gonna have to sign somewhere else. But the thing, <laughs> the thing about Tannehill is, right now, I mentioned earlier with Odell Beckham Jr. the Fantasy Pros rankings, and it is mid March. But Tannehill is currently ranked as QB ten, which you'd say, okay, that's not too bad. That's behind where he was. Last year in his finishing position, that's behind where he was in 2019 in his abbreviated starter campaign. But the thing that worries me about Tannehill is, is not only the loss of his offensive coordinator, but you mentioned these, uh, uh, what what the hell do you call it? the Konami code or whatever the hell, right? The Russian QBs. For some reason, because I don't know if you know this, Jake, but Ryan Tannehill, he used to be a wide receiver in college, which is like the drinking game of any freaking Titans game. I always just assume that he runs the ball. And that is actually not true. Uh, he only has one season uh, with over 300 rushing yards. That was way back in 2014. Uh, last This last year in 2020, he ranked 17th among QBs with 16 and a half rushing yards per game. Isn't that, that weird? How, how that does doesn't do player, it. How does a player with a skill position background, mm-hmm. like, I mean, you would just assume that he would have some sort of rushing yards, <laughs> some sort I, of rushing production. I know, and you, and I think you said it on the show. Like Tannehill doesn't run, and in my head, I'm like, I think he's wrong. (laughs) But you're not. You're dead. I'm glad I didn't open my dumb mouth and and try to argue with you because he doesn't run. Seventeenth among QBs. That's not good enough. That's not a difference maker. Like maybe he's not Matt Ryan or Red Ben Roethlisberger, but he's not anywhere near the difference maker at the position. Even if you look at somebody like. Oh, why the hell am I like Gardner Minshew, right? Like somebody along those lines where it's not going to be, you know, the 800 yards or 700 yards, right? Those elite guys. But if somewhere in that, you know, even Daniel Jones, like that 400 yard pace, 450, that's solid, right? That gives you a few extra points per game, um, you know, or four points per game about extra Tannehill. That's just not enough for me to say that, okay, you know, his rushing production can kind of prop him up. You also take a look at his passing production last year, 33 touchdowns. That was a huge jump. Um, you know, he was just on fire, especially when you consider the fact that he was uh, 18th in total pass attempts on the on the season and an average pass attempts per game. He was even below Baker Mayfield, who we talked about earlier. Right. So he was, you know, his his uh, his touchdown production was obviously really high. His touchdown percentage was extremely high. Then you factor in that he scored seven rushing touchdowns last year to put up that. I believe it was QB seven season. That is a ton of rushing touchdowns. Uh, he, I believe he only had, uh, eight entering last year. So to get seven in one season, in addition to the 33 passing touchdowns, those things just scream regression to me. Right. So he did finish his QB seven. If you take those rushing touchdowns from seven to four, that would have made him QB 11 on the year. And that's if you don't have any regression to the passing numbers, which I do think is coming as well. So this is going to, this should continue to be a run first team. I think those numbers come back down just a little bit. And Tannehill, while he could still be serviceable, he will not be on any of my teams because I'll just wait. I'll punt that thing down the down the trail even further and take any of the quarterbacks that are going five, six rounds after Tannehill because people are going to be buying 2019 and 2020 Ryan Tannehill. So he's the only QB on my list. I think he's the only QB featured on this show, but he's blacklisted. He's not, he's not on any of my teams uh, for redraft in 2021. That was a great point you made about his – uh, rushing production or lack thereof because it, I think it's a very real possibility that he does go from those seven rushing touchdowns, which before he did just bring it up, I would have had no idea that he had seven <laughs> rushing touchdowns. Had you made me guess, I, maybe I would have guessed four, 
But I mean, it's a re- it's a very real possibility that he has zero rushing touchdowns next year. Like, I would love to go back and watch the film again because I I'd be willing to bet money, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me. But I'd be willing to bet money that those were not drawn up run plays, or at least the majority of them probably weren't drawn up run plays, unless maybe they were doing some kind of bootleg thing to Derrick Henry on the goal line where the all the defense bites. I don't know how it happened, but. Most of them, if I were, because I had, I had Tannehill in a lot of spots last year and it was awesome. Like the guy yeah. was great, but most of those rushing touchdowns were off of this, what, like at least a few I remember. So maybe not all of them, but let's say four or five were off, like down at the goal line. They already plowed Henry in there once or twice and like, all right, everyone knows it's going to Derrick Henry. Fake, I'm going to go outside here and be untouched. But that's a seven rushing touchdowns is extremely difficult to replicate, you know, unless you are a, you know, hundred rush attempt quarterback, and ten, and Tannehill is just not that kind of guy. Yeah, man, that that touchdown percentage is going to be tough too, and that was something that we said going into last season because he had an even higher touchdown percentage in 2019. Like you thought that he had a 6.9 touchdown percentage in 2020. You thought that was stupid. He had a 7.7 <laughs> touchdown percentage in 2019. We knew that was going to come down, and it yeah. did. But you know, I, I like you said, I would still expect that 6.9 to come down to something more realistic, especially. You know, we all like to shit on Corey Davis and make our Corey Davis jokes, but he's, you know, he's an important part of that offense. He's gone. If Johnny Smith is gone, you said it, man. It's it's AJ Brown and no one else. Chalk up AJ Brown for 150 targets in uh, in 2021. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Good. If they don't sign, if they don't sign some other players, uh, you know, Tannehill can be in a world of hurt. So I think you know the idea of blacklisting him. Well, maybe I'd take him at the end of the draft. I don't think that's going to happen because people are still going to see those numbers that he put up last year, and he's going to go uh, earlier than he should. And yeah, there's more red, more than one red flag around him. So uh, I'm totally down with him being blacklisted. All right, sorry, sorry, Tanny, dude. It was a it was a hell of a run, and I enjoyed it the last couple of years. But yeah, we're no out. One, we one, are out. Won me a championship as well. Thank you for your service, Mister Tannehill. <laughs> yes, no doubt. But uh, all right, crapped on a quarterback there, so we can check that one off the list. Uh, Jake, who else you got on your blacklist for twenty twenty one? You know what, man? We haven't we haven't crapped on any running backs, have we? Not yet. I know oh. I got one, but uh, you you want to take him down? <laughs> yeah, let me let me change that real quick. Because last year, I did not see this coming at all, but slowly but surely, Damian Harris started to become a thing. Like, I, I I never thought he was a great running back to begin with, but after he started seeing consistent volume, you know, people in the fantasy community as a whole really started to jump onto that Damian Harris bandwagon. Uh, the Patriots were averaging the third most rushing attempts per game last season. That allowed Harris to see around 14 carries per game. That he was actually pretty efficient with. He was averaging five yards per carry. And even more impressive, he was one of the league's most efficient running backs on a yards per carry basis, despite also averaging 7.4 defenders in the box. That was first in the league. So, you know, teams knew that, New England was going to run the ball. Throwing wasn't exactly an option with Cam Newton, which again boggles the mind why they they would re-sign him for but, what fourteen million dollars or whatever. Like, what did they pay this guy? I'm like, are you kidding me? You got him last year for a bag of beans and some salt packets. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, way way <laughs> too much for a backup quarterback in my position. <laughs> nice. Uh, but you know when you're and when you're looking at the stats, you would assume that Damian Harris was able to just completely overtake Sony Michelle as the unquestioned RB one in New England. And if that was the case, then maybe I would be all in on uh, Damian Harris. But that wasn't the case last season. Uh, you know we 
we as fantasy analysts or any, anyone who plays the game, we have no idea how running back carries are going to shake out in New England next season. Those two running backs, Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, they only played two games together last season, the entire season. And, you know, Harris, he did lead those two in carries 27 to 17 over those two games, but Sony was just coming off of the IR. And, you know, while Harris, he was, he was impressive with his carries. He was really impressive. I said before, 5.0 yards per carry. Sony Michelle was actually even better with his limited carries. <laughs> Playerprofiler.com charts uh, a stat called true yards per carry. They discount any breakaway runs. I think it's runs of 20 yards or more. Uh, just, you know, a run that would just completely inflate a player's yards per carry. It gives you a more idea of how they were performing that season. But Sony Michelle was second in the league with 5.2 true yards per carry. Just ahead of some scrubs like, I don't know, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, <laughs> Aaron Jones. Uh, and, and I'll throw a little fun fact out there. First on that list in true yards per carry was J.K. Dobbins this year. So maybe look out for him. But uh, all this Sony Michelle talk, this isn't to, to suggest we should all be buying into Sony Michelle in redraft or in dynasty or move him up our rankings. I think, you know, it's we should just be very clear that he's not the absolute slouch that the fantasy community has made him out to be over the past couple of seasons. I think it's way more likely that we see, uh, you know, closer to a 50-50 RBBC split in 2021 in New England rather than Damian Harris. Damian Harris. Damian Harris just uh, dominating touches like I think a lot of people are assuming. Yeah. You know, also, what's it? What's a fantasy running back's worst enemy? We just got done talking about it. Guys like Josh Allen, guys like Lamar Jackson, guys like Taysom Hill. I didn't write down this guy's name. Guys like Ryan Tannehill, who are just going to <laughs> guys like Cam Newton, who are just going to take all of these carries on the goal line and they're going to vulture multiple rushing touchdowns for the entire course of the season. That's going to happen in New England, especially if Cam Newton is under center, which I mean, I guess it looks like it's going to happen. But, but uh, between Sony Michelle remaining relevant in that backfield, like I think he will, and presumably Cam Newton under center, it's hard to get excited about a player like Damian Harris who realistically he's got to find the end zone to end up having a, a solid fantasy day. He's not used in the receiving game. So it, you know if he's not getting 20 carries per game, if he's not getting 100 yards and a touchdown, you're probably disappointed with the outcome. So, you know... If, if I knew he was going to get all the carries and Sony Michelle wasn't there and Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback and they were going to 100% commit to the run, then maybe I'd be willing to give David Harris a shot. But, you know, seeing all the red flags around this guy heading into 2021, yeah. I'm out. Not going to do it. He's blacklisted. Uh, well, as uh, as a fantasy owner and a, or a dynasty owner of Damian Harris in a couple spots, unfortunately those teams that I own him on, have no running back depth. I'm really going to need him to perform this year. Well, yeah, I assume that's this, why you still have him rostered. This makes me sad, <laughs> but I totally, I totally, uh, I totally follow you, man. I know last year um, having him on some teams, I was kind of really watching that situation. It was very, very full backfield. You know, we saw guys at different points. I have James White and Rex Burkett, I believe are both free agents. We'll see if they're, if they return or one of them returns to the new England Patriots. Uh, so maybe there's some passing game work, you know, out there, but again, with Cam Newton under center, what does his offense look like really? 
Uh, we, we, saw, we saw exactly how it looks, my friend. It's very. <laughs> hold on, let me just hit the. Uh... Yeah, I, I was. I guess I was trying to see if maybe, maybe he could have some sort of you know bounce back this year. But I need uh, to like preload a fart sound onto this thing. <laughs> When so uh, do you happen to know when they were both in the game? What those two games that they played together, Michelle and Harris? Do you have that in front of you? It was either twelve and thirteen or yeah. thirteen and fourteen, something. Yeah, because like I, I remember Harris was getting a lot of the preseason or like camp hype, and then Harris broke his finger and was out for like a month, and then his suit right as he was coming back. Michelle went down. He was on IR, and it yeah. was late in the season. So the timing was super weird. It was like, uh, yeah, like you said, Sony Michelle for like the first three games, and then just when he goes out, Damian Harris takes over for the the bulk of the season, and then just as he goes out, Sony Michelle slides right back in. So it, yeah. it's it's hard to project exactly what they're going to do if both of them are healthy. I mean, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they might as well be the same talent. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't hedge my bets with Damian Harris at all. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. And neither has really done a whole lot in the passing game. So even if they got that opportunity, who would have the edge? We, you know, we'll have to see, I guess. The thing that really stinks, and we'll talk about this probably even more next week, but with them signing Cam Newton, it wasn't that they brought him back in. You know, the only thing that did to me when I saw that they resigned, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I guess all these little puff pieces were real. Like, where Cam's like, Belichick's the dude. Like, I love that guy. And Belichick's like, oh, yeah, Cam's great. I'm like, what the hell is this? And here they are reunited. $14 million to me that says he's going to get the first crack at the, as, at the starting role. And I, I, I don't like that. You know, I wish it was somebody else because like you said, Jake, he's going to snipe those rushing touchdowns down the goal line. And when a guy's not involved in the passing game, like Harris has been over the course of his career and he's splitting carries and he's getting sniped at the goal line by his QB. That's just not a recipe for success. I don't know. You know, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, maybe paying $14 million for the 2022 first overall pick isn't that bad. <laughs> that, hey, it's the Patriots. They, the long con would not be out of the question for sure. Uh, I, I'm going to stick with a running back. Uh, we'll, we'll go to my next guy here. And this is another guy that doesn't catch passes. So it makes for me, it makes it easy to steer clear of these players. But this guy's going to carry a little bit more draft capital then Damian Harris, and that is Josh Jacobs. He had a he had a phenomenal season as far as seeing a ton of volume, third in the league in attempts with 273. Crazy enough, that was 105 attempts less than Derrick Henry, who was first, wow. <laughs> which is just insanity. Like you, every time I'm looking at these stats, like as far as uh, attempts or like rushing production from rushing versus receiving, Henry is like his numbers are so freaking weird. I just have to like block him out. Like the dude is. Anomaly, right? Have you ever gone out and looked at his high school game log? <laughs> no. Oh my god, dude! I'll have to bring it up here, but it, it is the most <laughs> atrocious thing I've ever seen. Go ahead, continue. But for me, Jacobs is a guy that uh, you know the volume. That's great, right? That's going to make him a fantasy relevant running back. But he's blacklisted for me because I'm I'm just not going to take, it, and I don't have to take him, right? Like I could say, yeah, I take him in round five. That's never going to happen, right? This guy's going to be a borderline probably round one in some spots if people really think he can take that next jump. If maybe finally he's going to start catching passes, even though he only caught 33 last year, which ranked 24th among running backs, right? So the guy had 12 rushing touchdowns really propped up and kind of hid the fact that the dude was not very, while well, he was, uh, he he had a lot of production as far as finding the end zone on the ground. He had zero receiving touchdowns, 12 total touchdowns, 3.9 yards per carry on with all of those attempts, right? So for me, when you have a running back that just does not catch passes and also had a poor yards per attempt 
like what we saw from Jacobs last year. I just don't see the reason to take take the shot on him. His upside to me is, wow, he's got to do what he did last year, right? If he doesn't hit Pater 12 times on the ground, I'm concerned, right? So for me, he's more of a, you know, probably more towards the low end of an RB2 in my rankings. And there's just guys that with far more upside. You look at all these sophomore running backs, I might take them all over Josh Jacobs, to be honest, in 2021. I mean, there's definitely some concerns in the receiving game as far as with J.K. Dobbins, but I think I might rather have the guy on the much better offense in Dobbins than Jacobs. And you, and right now, they're not even really ranked, you know, close enough where you're going to have to, you know, that's going to be a decision for a lot of people. So Jacobs is going to come off the board way too early for me regardless. He's probably going to be two or three rounds, you know, down the board for me in 2021. Uh, he was again tied for tied for fourth among running backs with twelve rushing touchdowns, third in rushing attempts, but only thirty three receptions. Doesn't even have a career receiving touchdown, and just all that production what? being based is that, <laughs> is that real? That he does not have a receiving touchdown. Yeah, in his career. Well, you made that up. I, I'm well, I wrote it down, so I'm or typed it down, so I'm hoping that I am telling the truth. Someone, but, someone fact check that. <laughs> when you look at Jacobs, to me, he's just a guy that I want a guy that I want players that are going to catch the ball for my RB one, right? I want a guy with it with a little bit safer floor, not as touchdown dependent. Guys like Josh Jacobs fit real nice into low end RB two slots, but you're going to have to pay the ultimate price for Josh Jacobs, um, and I'm not doing that. So Josh Jacobs is blacklisted for me. Uh, like I said, give me every single sophomore running back uh, heading into 2021, and that alone removes Jacobs off my board. Yeah, I think like the the dynasty community anyways fell in love with this guy way too early and they there was really no reason to. But I know exactly what the reason is. Dynasty players, they fall in love with youth. And Josh Jacobs came in as the super young, tw- you know, 21-year-old, first running back taken in the draft, first round. And you know, most importantly, where does he come from? He comes out of Alabama where they breed running backs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right away he had all these, you know, sexy things about him, but even in the combine he didn't perform that great it's not like he's like the super stud athlete it was just a a poor running back class really a four six nine forty uh like you said the, the work isn't there in the passing game even even as from like an opportunity share or a snap share standpoint it, early in his career i assumed he was just getting all of the work and that was another one of those things that made him so attractive was i thought maybe he could be like one of those joe mixon type guys where they really do command all the work in their backfield despite josh jacobs being just you know five ten 21 year old out of college i thought he could be that guy but just a 67 percent opportunity share last season a 63 percent snap share that you know going into last year the gm threw out some empty promises about getting him some more <laughs> targets and, yeah. and i fell for that in a, a league or two i was a sucker but yeah not this year man i'm with you you can put him on the blacklist i don't think i'll have any josh jacobs especially if we're drafting him in the first couple of rounds i'll pass there's just way too much running back talent out there and I wish I had the numbers in front of me. I, I put this out like on Twitter like a months ago because I was just messing around looking at numbers. And and I'm down on this guy as well. But when you actually look, when you compare, that was the same class, Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery, they're actually, their numbers are pretty much the same as far as fantasy production. But no one would know that because yeah. everybody loves Josh Jacobs because of all those things you said. And everyone wants to shit on David Montgomery because he's David Montgomery and he's boring as hell and he just falls in the end zone. And, you know, things are going to change with with uh, the Bears having to address whether Tariq Cohen's going to be, you know, fully back or what, there's going to be a pass catching option there at the running back position because Montgomery obviously benefited from that last year. But Montgomery is going to be going three, four rounds after Josh Jacobs. And over the last two seasons uh, in the league, they've pretty much been the same guy. But for some reason, one guy is, you know, 10 to 15 spots higher in 
any ranking you look at dynasty redraft doesn't matter. So it's, it's interesting. He's a guy that I've never really owned, but it won't own him in 2021 either. Josh Jacobs is out for me. By the way, I mentioned I would bring you uh, Derek Henry's high school stats. I got him here in front of me. So he, he averaged 327 yards per game. <laughs> That's nine point. Was, was, was he a quarterback then? No, was man. he throwing the ball? He was just eating up all these Those guys. Those were rushing were yards. Eating up all these children that were the size of you know normal <laughs> junior high people. And he, he's just this enormous. He probably looked like he does now, but. Uh, that yeah. same year, 9.2 yards per carry, 4,260 rushing yards. This is his senior year and 55 rushing touchdowns. That, that, that If anyone should have been allowed to come straight to the league, it should have been him. They should have been like, you know, just get your ass to the could NFL. You, could you imagine being a parent and like your kids oh. on the defense and you don't even know what's coming until they line up in the line of scrimmage. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> what oh, is that adult man. doing out there? Why is one of the coaches wearing a helmet? <laughs> Poor Timmy's about to get crushed. Ridiculous. Just crazy. Crazy. Well, now we know it's translated to the NFL. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It translated very, very well. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm going to have to find some highlights footage. I'm sure it's out there somewhere of him just dragging these poor kids um, to, straight to the end zone. But uh well, I got. I know I have one more player left, uh, but we'll we'll kick it back to you, Jake. Who you, who you got? Who you blacklist in here for twenty twenty one? Yes, I have one player left as well. Uh, I got no special intro for him, so I'm just going to throw it out there. <laughs> it's Mister Devonte Parker. You know, twenty nineteen man, twenty nineteen was fun, but it was it was a complete anomaly for Devonte Parker. We waited so long for it to happen, and people hoped that it would continue into twenty twenty. But I think it was just his once in a lifetime type of season. He was in in 2019. He was wide receiver two from weeks four through 17. He put up seven, seven double digit touchdown game, seven double digit target games. There we go. (laughs) Man, I'm slipping all over the place. I was going to say double digit touchdown games. That signed me up for that shit. (laughs) He was good. But uh, I, I'm I'm pretty much chalking up that 2019 season to Ryan air it out Fitzpatrick throwing the ball 42 times a game and Devontae Parker being the only guy in town to receive all that volume. Miami went all the way down from fourth in passing volume in 2019 down to 19th in passing volume this season. Devontae Parker went from over 1,700 air yards in 2019 to just over 1,000 air yards in 2020. That right there, real quick, is how you lose out on a ton of receiving production. You know, while I do expect Tua to, dude, that's a tough one too. While I do expect Tua to improve upon you know what we saw in his rookie season, I don't know why I give myself these tongue twisters. You know, he would have to he'd have to make enormous strides this offseason if he was going to support not one but two fantasy relevant receivers for 2021. Because let's not forget, one of Miami's biggest priorities this offseason is going to be to either sign or draft a wide receiver because you know Preston Williams ain't it it looked like he might be but he I mean the dude can't stay on the field and that pretty much leaves Devontae Parker so you know what happens to Devontae Parker's production when Juju Smith-Schuster shows up in Miami and and commands a 20% target share right out of the gate you know what happens if Miami decides to pull the trigger on Jamar Chase with that what is they have the third overall pick yeah what happens to Devontae Parker? If, if this is a guy that needs to see 
1,700 air yards in order to put up wide receiver one type numbers. You know, I don't, I just don't think he's going to ever find that season again. Aside from 2019, Parker's never caught more than four touchdowns in a season. 2019 was the one season where he eclipsed 800 receiving yards. You know, one of my, one of my biggest themes this episode has kind of been, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not drafting for stability, I'm drafting for upside. So I have to ask myself, does Devontae Parker provide stability at the wide receiver position? I would say absolutely not. He had three games this season with over 100 receiving yards. And he had four games with under 40 receiving yards. You kind of just never know what you're going to get from this guy. So then I asked myself, okay, does Devontae Parker provide upside at the wide receiver position? Well, you, I mean, you tell me. He's already 28 years old. He has one 1,000 receiving yard season under his belt. And I'd say the addition of another you know, good to solid wide receiver in that offense is going to be all it takes to just completely squash Devontae Parker's fantasy value in 2021. And, you know, I mentioned before, he's 28 years old. So if they do bring in a young gun like Juju, if they go out and draft a guy like Jamar Chase, then, you know, you're stuck with Devontae Parker on your dynasty rosters. I know we're mostly talking redraft here, but you're going to be stuck with Parker on your dynasty rosters and no one's going to want him. He's Well, we've seen the best that Devontae Parker has to offer. It's not up from here. So if I have to choose, again, like I said before, between drafting a guy like Devontae Parker, who I think can give me 700 receiving yards and you know, whatever, a handful of catches, five touchdowns, if I'm lucky, I don't want that. I don't care about that. I, you know, I'd rather take my chances and hope that I can get that out of a rookie or maybe that rookie pops off and he's the next Justin Jefferson. That to me is a lot more attractive than drafting Devonte Parker anywhere in the double digit rounds. But uh, what are your what are your thoughts on him? Because I was curious about that uh, myself. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, dude. I, this guy uh, he showed you know when he that, that breakout year was crazy. Fifth year in the league, uh, yeah. you know, got his got his money right now. Like to you know after that contract when he was he he could have been out of the league to be honest that that after that first four years, but came through. Miami believed in him enough to keep him around. He had a spectacular season, but I think you're right. That was all YOLO Fitzmagic just chucking it, right? And two is not going to be that quarterback. Now, I hope he takes that step and he is able to support Gasicki and whatever rookie they bring in or, you know, but Parker, like he's, I think Parker is, yeah, he's that 750 yards, six touchdowns at the, and it just, that doesn't really do anything for me. Those are the kind of guys that aren't difference makers on your fantasy roster. Yeah, how many chances are we going to give this guy? He show, he showed up once, one time, one season. Every other season, he's been overdrafted. He's been worthless on your roster. You dropped him midway through the season. It's just, I'm not, I'm not doing it in 2021. Give me the upside of a rookie or, mm. I mean, really, really anyone else. You know, any sign of any sign of promise anywhere. It's just Devontae Parker's <laughs> not it, man. No, it'll be interesting to see. I hope that Miami does invest a lot uh, in that offense, whether it's bringing in a, a premier free agent, whether it's taking a couple of wide receivers. You know, I think ideally, if you're a Dolphins fan, you probably want them trading back from three to a couple spots, you know, let somebody jump up, still have a top eight pick, take, you know, take a wide receiver right there still and just keep just all those picks just keep coming, right? Just keep double down, trade back. You don't need to take a QB at three. So why, why pick from there? Right. <clears throat> Detroit lions. Uh, so uh, I, I love the, I love the call. I'm out on Parker as well. There's no reason to have a guy like that on your squad. Take the unknown. 
with what Parker gives you on a week in week out basis with what with Tua, you can just find that sometimes even on the freaking wire, just pick the guy that has a great matchup. There you go, right? He's going to get you, you know, seven, eight points and be you'll be fine. Who cares, right? So, Agreed, my uh, all right, man, I got one more on my list. We'll wrap this one up and I'm going to the vegetables. I'm going to the tight end uh, and I'm going with Mark Andrews. We'll take it back to Baltimore here. He's uh, he's right where you expect him to be right now in the rankings and he'll probably live there. You could probably cement this dude in as the tight end four uh, for redraft rankings. Right, he's been productive. Right from from the tight end perspective, he's been out there um, catching a ton of touchdowns. Right, it, the, so here's the good: seventeen touchdowns in twenty nine games over the last two years. That's great, right? Then, but and this this position can lead to touchdown dependent guys still being at the top of the top of the board. Look at Tanya last year as well. The bad: one hundred and twenty two receptions over those two years. That was just hanging on to the top ten. Uh, tied for ninth last season with 58 receptions in 2019, 64 receptions put him tied for seven. You for so it's not this isn't really like a huge shot at Mark Andrews. We've seen his the touchdowns have been there over the last two years with Lamar having really good seasons. That I think he can put up this production, but the problem is where you have to take Mark Andrews. Do not if you're not taking Travis Kelsey or George Kittle in round two. Don't take a tight end. Do not take these middle round guys because even if he replicates what he did over the last few years, Andrews was two and a half points and a point per game basis, two and a half points behind George Kittle. He was the tight end four in points per game, two and a half points. The difference between Mark Andrews last two and a half points was tight end 15, Eric Ebron and Hayden Hurst. That's how many guys you have that you can just find, scoop off the wire, plug and play, that are going to give you a close enough to Mark Andrews, and you don't have to pay around five price for that tight end. So especially, while, especially this year, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when we're but, gonna have guys like Hunter Henry switching teams and John U. Smith switching switching teams, and you know, it's not just Kyle Pitts entering this year's draft. There's gonna be the mm-hmm. dude from Penn State and the dude from Miami, and people are gonna be mad at me for messing up names. Brevin Jordan and uh, Pat Fryermuth. There's gonna there's, you know the tight end pool. There's going to be some impressive names out there. I'm not out on a guy like Noah Fant. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, reaching for a guy like Mark Andrews when that pool of wide receiver talent and running back talent is still out there makes no sense. And and fire up old Irv Smith. Finally, he's yeah. been set free. I mean, there, there's just too many guys that, again, even if they put up the seasons, and, I, and I've mentioned Ebron and, and Hurst as tight end 15. There were still guys ahead of them. Obviously, Tanyan was just found from the dead. Logan Thomas. Uh, Jimmy Graham ended up finishing there because this position is just, it's so top heavy. If you don't have the difference makers, the absolute difference makers, I will have Mark Andrews ranked as my tight end four, but I will own him zero places, right? Because he is just not a difference maker of where you have to take him. I would rather have stability at other positions and know like, I'll just play the carousel game with that tight end, take my two points less per game, but whatever. That's not, that's not a difference. So there's no way I'm taking Mark Andrews on any teams in 2021. Um, he will be left there for someone else to take. I made that mistake with Zach Ertz last year. I'm not doing it again. Uh, it's it's the top two or bust uh, at, at tight end for me. And otherwise, you know, I'll take all of the uh, Blake Jarwin. You know, that that's fine. I don't, I don't care. So, um, you know, touchdowns are great, but not not for Mark Andrews, not for me. So uh, what's uh, what's your thoughts on on Andrews, I guess? Like, I mean, it sounds like you're leaning out of the way, but would you take him even if he was a round or two later? 
No, no. There's, I mean, and simply for the fact that you said there's just no need to. With, when there's tight ends that are going to be coming off the board two to three rounds later who have just as equal of a chance to put up the kind of numbers that Mark Andrews is putting up, then I'm going to take a shot at a wide receiver in those rounds. And it, it's just the lack of receiving volume in general in Baltimore. And then now we're going to add a wide receiver in Baltimore. You know, it's kind of... And I'm going to tread lightly here because this is why I was fading Darren Waller last <laughs> season. You know, I was worried that he's going to see a lower target share now because they're adding wide receivers. So I'm not going to take too hard of a stance on that one. I'm not going to really dig my heels in. But, you know, it, it is enough reason where, you know, and, and I don't even put Mark Andrews and Darren Waller really in the same category as far as like uh, – Maybe you know as receivers as talent at the position. Mark Andrews is great, but I really do think Darren Waller is a is a superstar at, at what he does. Um, but on, on a team that's running the ball way more than they're throwing it, they're going to be adding a wide receiver. It's just there's no need to reach for Mark Andrews. I'd expect regression this year, and I'd expect him to also be on my blacklist. There you go. Well, and Andrews was top five each of the last two seasons in touchdown percentage at the tight end position. I mean, you look at. Travis Kelsey, uh, even two years ago, right? And he was still dominant. He was the tight end one. His his touchdown percentage was five, right? Because he just sees so many volume that touchdowns weren't there, but he was still a monster. Mark Andrews' touchdown percentage two years ago was 15. Like the guy, it just, it's it's insanity how many touchdowns uh, he was he was bringing in, but how much it was a reliance as well that in that fantasy value. So again, I think he'll fit, probably finish as a top five-ish tight end, but the distance between those, the tier break is so real at the tight end position and that's in that really that second tier from Andrews all the way down to tight end 15. It's just huge, right? I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. If I could, if I could draft them all in round in round 13, yeah, I would take Andrews, but that's at just, the, at the end of the day, I'm willing to sacrifice 1.5 fantasy <laughs> points per game from the tight end position. If it means I get to select my tight end 10 rounds later, no doubt. And that's a legit 10 rounds. I mean, that's not just being you know, just, exaggerating. No, not at all. So there, there you go. There's the blacklisted players for us here on the FF SmackDown for 2021. I'll keep an, I'm going to be keeping an eye on these names to see if I have to change my tune, but I'm feeling pretty good about this, even for mid March that I'm going to lock these guys in at, you know, or I guess not lock them in any of my rosters, right? I don't want them out. And I got a, I got a few of these guys in some dynasty squads. I might want to look to move as well. So hopefully you guys, found this helpful and uh i mean hell where else are you gonna get derrick henry high school stats on the podcast right now either so just on the fantasy football smackdown (laughs) so uh as we wrap this one up obviously jake you and i are going to be watching out for all this free agency news so guys be sure you're following us uh myself at kyle month eight jake at jake takes ff we can give you our opinions live as these things are happening on twitter and we'll be back here next week uh with our full free agency rundown but uh, you working on anything else right now or, or just uh, just kind of hanging out? You, you doing any writing yet? No, man, no writing. Just everything here at the Dynasty War Zone. And correct me if I'm wrong. Are we going to be uh, on, on a Wednesday show? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, we may or may not. Be, uh, I think last time we talked to uh, we might be joining Jerry this week on an episode. All right. All right. I know. I know it's coming up. I know we're doing a Smackdown takeover. Uh, of the war zone it might i can't remember if it was uh the exact day so i don't have it so check out everyone that might be happening this week or i could have <laughs> made it up but either way if you're subscribed to the dynasty war zone you'll know
Yeah, exactly. So hit that subscribe button. Head on over to YouTube if you haven't already. Even if you don't watch it over there, just hit subscribe, turn the notifications on. You can check us out sometimes, see our faces, but you get in on that contest. They're rolling over there at the Warzone. So appreciate you guys checking us out. As always, we're going to be back next week, like I said, with the free agency breakdown. You guys stay, stay safe, take it easy, and we'll see you later.